may be seated. Praise the Lord. I don't know, am I supposed to use an interpreter? Or, um, just, that, just by now, maybe everybody doesn't need an interpreter. Munaitaji kutafsiliwa. Eh? Oh, mkosawa. Okay, okay. Wonderful, now we can go faster. All right. Praise God. Well, as I've been praying about this conference, and especially my part of it, uh, seeking the Lord, I, we, I could only uh, hear a word rolling in my heart that um, the Lord is with you as long as you're with him. I mean, that kept rolling in my heart. The Lord is with you. You know, the theme of the conference is you're not alone. Praise God. How comforting. So we know that he is with us. But I kept um, hearing that phrase. The Lord is with you as long as you're with him. So I looked it up and I knew it had to do with King Asa in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. So I went back and studied about King Asa. Asa. So let's begin right there and see uh, how the Lord directs us with that, this. Second Chronicles 15. Second Chronicles chapter 15. I'm going to read quite a bit, beginning from verse 1 to 9. Chronicles 15, 1 to 9. says, now the spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, now Asa was a king of Judah and Benjamin. You know, the, the nation had been divided between Judah and Israel. And so Asa is a descendant of David. You know, the, the kings uh, went from David to Rehoboam to Abijah. And Abijah, or I could say Abijah, was the father of Asa. So he's definitely uh, in the lineage of David, of the kings of Israel. And so a prophet of God named Azariah came to him. And he said to him, hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. Isn't it? It always amazes me how much boldness these prophets had. And how much um, access they were given. And their words were revered. To go to the king. To go to the president and say. You hear me and hear me good. How <laughs> I many can do that? So he's like. Hear me Asa no Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you're with him. If you seek him. He will be found by you. But if you forsake him. He'll forsake you. That was quite a warning, isn't it? It goes on to say, verse 3, For a long time Israel had been without the true God. You know, about their rebellion and they would backslide a lot, go keep going back into idol worship. Without a teaching priest and without law. But when in their trouble they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found by them. And in those times there was no peace to the one who went out nor the one who came in. But great turmoil was on the, all the inhabitants of the lands. 
So nation was destroyed by nation and city by city. For God troubled them with every adversity. Now if you think, think in, the, in terms of the new covenant, God doesn't send evil or trouble, but he, he would permit it to happen because they permitted it with their own choices of rebellion. Verse 8, and when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of ordered the priest, the prophet, excuse me, of Oded, the prophet, he was really Azaria, the son of Oded. He took courage. Are we on? Okay, something went off. Just uh, do what you can, sound people. I just keep on going because we don't have a lot of time. So uh, when Asa had these words, this is verse 8, 2 Chronicles 15. And the prophecy of ordered the prophet. He took courage and removed the abominable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities which he had taken in the mountains of Ephraim. He restored the altar of the Lord that was before the vestibule of the Lord. Then he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those who dwell with them from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon. For they came over to him in great numbers from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. If you study the previous verse, if you study the, the history of King Asa, the background of King Asa, you see that he was a good king. He actually destroyed some of the idol worship in the nation. And then he kind of settled to being just a good king. And to just being a, a casual king, you could say. He settled in his job. And then up until God sent this prophet to him to warn him. And he told, it's like he was telling him, it's not enough that you are a good king, that you are the, in the lineage of David. It's not enough. Uh, he was telling him, the Lord is with you as long as you are with him. So he was telling him, you better seek the Lord. If you want to, the Lord to help you, you better seek him. And so, um, so he had been a good king. He had actually rebuilt some things in Israel. And at one point, uh, he had increased the army to over half a million. So he was strengthened. He, was a he had a big backup. And then at one time, he was attacked by Ethiopia, the nation of Ethiopia. They came with a one million strong army. So that's bigger than, than him. And what did Asa do? He cried unto the Lord. He really prayed. He really turned to God. And God came and he fought for him. He, he, he attacked the, the Ethiopians until they ran off. They were destroyed before Asa and before Judah. And so... He continued succeeding now after that. And um, he actually, uh, after, after ordered, after Azaria and ordered, after he came and told him, you better seek the Lord, he, he really restored the worship of God. He rebuilt altars. They began the sacrifice. He, he gathered all Judah. He gathered all, all Benjamin. And they came and they began to really revere and worship the Lord. Praise God. 
to where there was an actual, you could say, awakening to God in the whole nation, led by the king himself. It was powerful. He, he even uh, like fired his own mother from being queen mother because she was given to idol worship. She had this big idol, you know, Asherah. And so he restored the whole nation to the worship of God. And it was so good that for 35 years they were in peace. That's a long reign. And they were totally in peace. God took care of them because he was with them because they chose to seek him. But then later on, I think in the 36th year of his reign, Israel, now you know that that was like their brethren in the north, began to attack Judah in the south. And when Israel attacked Judah, uh, Asa, he gathered, um, you could call it a bribe. He gathered money, he gathered silver and gold from the house of the Lord, from his own house, and, and sent it to Ben-Hadad, the Syrian king. So he's now, instead of crying out to God that he's being attacked now by his own people, Israel, instead of praying and relying on the, arm, on the hand of the Lord, he relied on the arm of flesh. So he sends this bribe to Syria, and they come and fight Israel for him. And then at that time, God sends a, a seer. He sent a seer, his name was Hananiah, to warn him. Um, yeah, let me see. Second Chronicles 16, 7 to 12. This is just a, a foundation of what I'm going to talk about. In Second Chronicles 16, 7 to 12. So the Lord sends his prophet again to warn him. Verse 7, 2 Chronicles 16. And at that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria, and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Yeah, I mean, he was going to be left helpless. Um, were the Ethiopians and the Lubim not a huge army? with very many chariots and horsemen, yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered you, them into your hands. For the eyes of the Lord, let's read that scripture together. I love this. Let's read verse 9 together. Can you, is that clear? Let's begin again, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. That's what uh, the seer told him. So he told him, in this you have done foolishly. Therefore from now on you shall have wars. After that, five years of peace. Because he relied on the arm of flesh, he told him, you are going to now be in trouble. And did, Ash, did Asa take the warning? No, he didn't. Instead, he imprisoned the seer. He takes the prophets of God and puts him in prison. And he begins to oppress the people. 
you see, a change of attitude. Before he had repented, and God had given them peace. And God had literally brought an awakening to him, to the nation. But this time, he refused to repent. There was no repentance. And as a result, in, in his 39th year of his reign, uh, it says in verse 12, in the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet. And his malady was severe. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord by the physicians. So he, he had this habit of backsliding, you could say, and relying on the arm of flesh. Yes, he's a good king. Yes, he fears the Lord. But he had begun now to rely on his own strength, on what he can think about, on his intellect, instead of relying on God to deliver him and to help him. And so that's how he ended, with this disease in his feet. And so it's a sad ending. But um, praise God. For us in the new covenant now, let's apply this a little bit more in the new covenant. In the new covenant, you and I have been born again, right? We have been recreated in Christ Jesus. The Holy Ghost came inside us and did a work of regeneration. And then later he filled us. We were filled with the Holy Ghost. He dwells in us. Jesus had said, I'll not leave you alone. I'll give you. A comforter. You're not going to be orphans. You're not going to be forsaken. So as Christians, as long as we have the Holy Ghost, we are never alone. We are never alone. And uh, the Bible says, like in Hebrews 13.5, the way it's worded in the Amplified Bible, He, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, nor relax my hold on you. And so he never leaves us. He said, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So the question is not whether the Lord is with us. We ought to be convinced of that by now. Praise God. We ought to be convinced that he loves us Enough to send his own son on the cross. Enough to send his Holy Spirit to live right on the inside. How can you be alone? So the question is not whether he is with us. The question is, are you with him? Are you seeking him? Are you conscious and aware of his indwelling? Are you, are you acknowledging him? The Bible says in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct your paths. Are you, are you encouraging the work of the Holy Ghost in you? Are you giving him room in your schedule, in your life? So the question is, are you aware of him? Are you for him? Praise God. So uh, that prophet said, the eyes of the Lord are looking everywhere. Looking for hearts that are loyal to him. Those that are after him. 
those that seek him. Hallelujah. And, you know, I had one man of God say, Lord, look no farther. <laughs> Here am I. When you are looking around, find me. Find my heart loyal to you, seeking after you, hungry for you. Praise God. So what changes your heart from being disloyal to the Lord to being loyal? What, what changes in us? What, what, what steps should we take in order to go from being, not being for him to being for him? Not being hungry to, be hung, to being hungry for him. What should change? And I think uh, what the Lord led me to talk about really is repentance. Repentance. And some people, when they hear that word, they think, oh, that leaves me out. That's for sinners. You know, but but that, this is a doctrine of the New Testament in which we live. That is so vital. That is such a blessing. I am so glad that throughout my life I could repent. Oh, my goodness. Thousands of times maybe. It is an, a, a wonderful gift that the Lord gave us. So we're going to talk about it. And this is a gift that God gave us in the name of Jesus. You know, the name of Jesus is a great name. It's a wonderful name. And one of the blessings we've been given in that name is the blessings of repentance. To be able to repent. To be able to turn our way of thinking to a new way of thinking, to be able to renew our minds when we come to a conference like this, to come with an open heart, an open mind, ready to change. Praise God. If you come with that kind of attitude, you will live here another way. Because when you come, you don't come to a man. You come to him. You come to the Lord. And so we should come with that attitude of repentance. So repentance is a cardinal blessing that we've been given. And out of this cardinal blessing of repentance flows so many good things. So much good comes out of it. So we need to take advantage of it. So first let's define it. Let's first define repentance. What is repentance? Do, do you know I, I found one Hebrew word uh, for repentance is actually toba. There's a lot of Swahili in Hebrew. <laughs> Take kutubu, you know. But anyway, repentance means turning away from something that you now judge to have been wrong. Changing your mind from a direction that you now think was wrong. In other words, changing from wrong to right. This is what Asa did at the beginning. He changed from just being a secular king to one who brought an awakening to God in the whole nation. The second time when he was warned, he did not take advantage of the blessing of repentance. As a result, you could say he self-destroyed and ended, you know, his life the way he should not have ended it. The Greek word for repentance is Metanoia. Metanoia means a tra transformative change of heart, a change of mind. I like that. A change of mind. There has to be uh, a change of your 
mind, will, and emotions. You must change your will. You must will to change. A fundamental change in thinking that leads, leads to a fundamental change in behavior. See, repentance is not just a remorseful regret. You know that Judas even was remorseful, but it did not change his behavior. It did not lead to a change of heart. So there has to be that change of mind has to lead to a change of behavior, a change of the way you live. And so, like I said before, repentance is a blessing. It's a major blessing of the new covenant that we need to constantly take advantage of. In Acts chapter 3, Acts 3, 25 to 26, this was, I believe Peter was talking to Israel, who was addressing mainly the Israelites. He was saying, you're the sons of the prophets. Acts 3, 25, 26. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 26, to you first, God having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. He was saying, it began with you. Israelites, God has sent you a blessing to turn you away from your iniquities. Praise the Lord. So it's a blessing. Sent him to bless you in turning away from one way of living to another. So it is a great blessing when in your heart you can choose to stop going the wrong way to going the right way. When in your heart you can say, I want my life to please the Lord. Praise God. He has done so much for me. He's given me so much. He gave his own life blood for me. He gave me his own spirit to live in me. I choose to live a life that's pleasing to him. Hallelujah. So although our repentance was a gift first to the Jew, it now is for all nations. The Bible shows us that it's for all people. Acts 11.18 says, When they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. You know, for so many years, these people did not believe that the Gentiles were supposed to receive Eternal life that this gospel belongs to the Gentiles. The apostles themselves didn't even believe that. But, you know, after the Cornelius issue and when the Holy Ghost fell on them, the gospel went to the Gentiles. So they are realizing God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Uh, so it, it's so vital that we realize that it's for all people. It's not just for the Jews. We are to live a life of repentance. Luke 24, 26. Jesus, just before he left earth, said, Luke 24, 46. Then he, Jesus, said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead that day, 
and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Amen. Somebody say, repentance should be preached to all nations. Amen. So as much as it was necessary for him to suffer, so much was it necessary for repentance to be preached to all. Hallelujah. In Acts 20, Apostle Paul, talking of his own ministry, said, Acts 20, 19, says, How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to the Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, some people say that Jesus only preached love and acceptance for all. Some people say that. But really, you find out that Jesus preached repentance and the kingdom of God. He said, repent. And if you look at Mark 4, I can show that to you. Mark 4, 17 says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And uh, the context there is that, yeah, let me read verse 15. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, you know, he lived, he had moved uh, to Galilee and the Capernaum area, he lived there. And, and the Bible says that the people that sat in darkness have seen a great light. So Jesus was declaring, the light has come. So Repent. For the kingdom of heaven, the rule of God is being introduced to you. Turn your ways and live right. Praise God. Leave the darkness alone and embrace the light. So that's how he began his ministry. Preaching repentance as the entrance way to the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. When Jesus was saying, repentance, this blessing, this gift of God is going to shift you from one reality to another. From your own way of looking at things to God's way. I love repentance. Let's look at the benefits of repentance. For one, repentance um, leads to remission. It leads to remission of sin. Remission means cancellation, complete removal, blotting out. It's not mere forgiveness or pardon or covering like they had in the old covenant. Their sin was covered for a year, and then there was remembrance of sin again. And he had to do it all over again. But in the new covenant, we have a remission, remission of sin. So repentance leads to that cancellation. Praise God. Acts 13, uh, 38, you can just write it down. It removes, uh, through this man Jesus is preached to you, the remission of sin leading to justification. So repentance leads to ascent. It removes the guilt, the condemnation. It, it, it brings you to... To, 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 to the understanding that you're now justified. Praise God. 
Acts 10.43 says, whoever believes in him receives remission of sin. You know, the word remission and the word forgiveness are interpreted out of the same words. Sometimes you have to judge from the context what they were referring for, to. But anyone who believes in him receives a blotting away, a cancellation of our sin. Praise God. Our sin is canceled. And we've been justified. And we've been restored to righteousness. But you know, Christians, even when they are born again, they're still babies. And they have to begin growing. They have to begin renewing their minds. I think you know the scripture in Romans 12 too. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is a long process. And it means that you keep being enlightened. When you receive the light in an area, then you renew your mind and take a step and decide, I'm going to live this way. That is a type of repentance. It is. Repentance literally facilitates the renewing of the mind. Because you keep turning. You know, the spirit of God in you keeps steering you the right direction. If, you are ha if your life is after God, he steers your life. He tells you, he leads you to the left, leads you straight, turn right, go straight, turn left. Uh, you turn a little bit, go back this way. So he keeps guiding you the right way. And so every time you turn the right way that he leads you, you're repenting of an, another old way. Praise God. You're changing. So repentance facilitates that renewing of the mind. And if your mind is not renewed, all your choices will be based on the natural. You, you'll be choosing things out of circumstances, out of so-and-so said, so-and-so didn't say, so-and-so did this. The economy is like this. All your decisions will be led from outwards, outside circumstances. But when your mind is renewed, you live in a different reality. You live from the inside out. When something happens, you check on the inside. What does the Spirit of God have to say about this? What do you want us to do here, Holy Ghost? Praise God. And you don't, you, you don't, just, you don't just move from place to place, twisted, shaken around. You know the right way. You are steered the right direction. You live from the inside out. You no, know, when we were born again, we were not taken straight to heaven. But we were to bring heaven down here by living from the inside out. Praise God. Hallelujah. So repentance enables you to live in God's world on the inside more than being controlled from the outside. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank God we can repent. Thank God we can turn the right direction. Repentance shifts your reality from what's on the outside to what's on the inside. So we keep shifting. Shifting back. Being, Kenneth Copeland calls it, being God inside-minded. Be inside-minded, not outward-minded. Praise God. 
The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 14, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. We don't look at what is seen. We don't focus on the circumstances. Those things are temporal. You know, someone was talking about uh, when the disciples were in the middle of a storm and Jesus was lying down on a pillow in the boat with them. Was God with them? God was with them. But were they looking at God that's in the boat? No, they were looking at the storm. They were not focusing on the one with them. And that's how many times Christians live. They are looking out there at circumstances, at, at, at the storm, at the winds, at who said what, who is doing what. While the one on the inside is lying there dormant, and they are not stirring up the gift of God in them, not listening to him, not giving him attention. I mean, that's that amount to what the prophet said to Asa. The Lord is with you as long as you are with him. These people are not acting like Jesus was with them. They were acting like he may be lying down there, but does he care that we are perishing? You know? Accusing God of not caring. It's unbelief. When you find yourself questioning God like that, then it's time to repent. To repent, God takes unbelief seriously. We need to repent of unbelief and decide I'm not going to be moved by circumstances. You have already proved to me that you are with me by giving me your own spirit to be in me. Why am I questioning whether you care? Why am I focused on circumstances? Why am I so worried about the pain? What has the pain got to do with it? Is that a fact? The pain may be a fact, but is that truth? Is that truth? Truth is that we are healed. What, what does a little itch and a little pain got to do with it? So we need to be focused on what we do have. The question is not whether God is with us, but are we with him? Are we giving him our attention? So it's so vital that we do. In the Passion Translation, that time when Jesus, you know, they awoke Jesus and asked him, don't you care, we are perishing. And uh, it was in the book of Mark. It's in different Gospels, but in Mark, chapter, I mean, chapter 4 and verse 40, the, pas the Passion Translation, Jesus asked them, why are you so afraid? Haven't you learned to trust yet? Wow. Like, why are you worried? Why are you afraid? Haven't you learned to trust? Wow. Praise God. So he's with us, but have we learned to rely on him? Have you learned to rely on the one inside you? Instead of worrying about the circumstances. He is with you. But are you with him? Are you conscious of him? Are you renewing your mind with his word? Hallelujah. 
Praise God. Today we are not without him. We are not strangers to the covenants of God. At one time we were strangers, but we are not that old person. We are brand new. We can forget the past. We are accepted in the beloved. We are loved. And we need to dwell on that. Praise God. Take advantage of the helper. You know, David said, at one point, he said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And sometimes, all of us, I know I have looked at circumstances. I, I've looked at how long I had to wait for something to happen. And I said, if I didn't know you, God, I would have lost heart. I would have given up. Unless I had believed that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Praise God. We can always believe. We are spirit beings and we can believe. We choose to believe or not to believe. Let's say, I choose to believe that I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. On this earth. Amen. Hallelujah. Repentance is an introduction to who he is. You know, Jesus was sent. You know, he, he, he said many things as to why he came. But one of the major things is he came was to reveal the Father. To reveal the love of the Father. And when you get to know the Father, the Father's love, when you stand before a holy God, you can't but want to change. Praise God. You want to change from glory to glory. You know, Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah chapter 6, it says when King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord. In all his glory, he describes it. And when he saw the Lord, he was like, Woe is me, for I'm undone. I dwell. Uh, he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I think I don't want to know what Isaiah had been speaking. To call his lips unclean. And I dwell among people of unclean lips. So he was repenting. He, he wanted to change. And God sent an angel and he was purged from his iniquity. Praise God. Repentance produces good things. It brought him to a readiness to be used by God. So by the time the Lord said, whom shall I set? Who will go for us? Isaiah was ready because he had repented. He was like, here I am my Lord. Send me. Total consecration to the Lord. So when you have a change of heart, when you are consecrated to his will, in a conference like this, if you, you come with a readiness to change when you hear the word, to adjust your life, then you'll be a ready laborer. You'll be a ready laborer. Praise God. Because the things in your heart that may be clogging the spirit of God from flowing through you and moving and using you, they'll be removed. They will be removed. Praise God. 
and you will go home another way. Repentance is a launching pad for divine experience. Hallelujah. When we come to the Lord, when we come to a meeting like this, oh my goodness, time flies. Better hurry up. Um, when you come to a meeting like this, you don't come with your own spirituality. Like, they don't know who I am. I am pastor, Mrs. bishop, doctor, this. No, we, we come with a humble heart, praise God. We don't come with our own works. We come with a humble heart. In the Bible, you remember, it's recorded in Luke 18. I can't read it because of time. Remember the parable Jesus gave of the two men who went to the temple to pray? They were both going to God. They were both going to meet with God. But one of them went, and you remember what he said? He was a Pharisee. It says he prayed thus with himself. He prayed with himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, and just adulterers, and even tax collectors. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. I mean, he, he came to the Lord talking about his own self-righteousness, his own goodness. He wasn't ready to change. He wasn't ready to be adjusted. He wasn't ready to be steered the right direction. He had already arrived. I wonder why he came to God. So I don't know why you came to this meeting, but I hope you came with a heart like that of Jesus. Jesus said, I'm meek and lowly. Praise God. The, the other guy, the tax collector, he, he couldn't even, he, he didn't even, he stood afar off. He didn't even raise his eyes to heaven. He, he, was, he beat his breast. God be merciful to me, a sinner. Praise God. And Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Praise God. Now, I'm not saying that every time you repent, you have to call yourself a sinner. You're even acknowledging that you are the righteousness of God and you have, not, you have no business thinking what you are thinking. It's repentance. I ought to know better. I've been justified. And I have no reason to think evil of that sister. I'm the righteousness of God. Jesus became sin. I have no reason to judge that brother. Praise God. That is... Changing. The Bible says if you judge yourself, you'll not be judged. Amen. When we come to take communion, and I think it's not just for communion that we should come in reverence, even in a conference, even in a meeting where we come to him. The Bible says, examine yourself. See if you are in the faith. Amen. And you examine yourself, you find something that shouldn't be there, and you want to change, and you actually change, changing not just your mindset, but your behavior and your way of life, you have repented. It's repentance for Christians. 
It is. And it facilitates the renewing of the mind. Hallelujah. Let me just read quickly in conclusion. Repentance takes you from being a prison house for the Holy Ghost to being his conduit. You know, some people say, I was baptized by the Holy Ghost in 1949. You can't teach me anything. And he's been imprisoned in there ever since. But if you'd repent of your old ways of doing things and want the fresh and the new and start up the gift of God in you and take advantage of that greater one in you and be conscious of him and commune with him and fellowship with him, you would be of more benefit to the world than to say, I was filled in the Holy Ghost in 1949. What are you doing with him today? Praise God. So that repentance brings us from just being there from our old ways to being a participator in what he's doing in the now, today, this day in history. What is he doing? What does he want to do in us, through us? Amen. Uh, repentance gives you an excellent spirit. It enables you not to just perform excellence on the outside, as though you're fulfilling the law, but it makes you an excellent being. I can't help but do things in an excellent way because the spirit of excellence is in me, and I'm yielding to him. He makes me an excellent being. Hallelujah. You know, some people say, um, you can preach that to sinners. Repentance is not for me. God is good to me. The grace of God is sufficient. Well, Romans 2, 3 says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Praise God. The goodness of the Lord. When you see how good he is to you, when you see how wonderful he has been to you, which that's what we should be looking for, the good that he has done. Praise God. Today I was driving on an all-tarmacked road all the way here, and I was like, this is your goodness, Lord. Praise God. I remember when <laughs> we were coming through those potholes, through the water. But today it's all tarmac. We need to be looking at the goodness of the Lord. And it makes us want to do what is pleasing to him. His goodness leading, leads us to repentance, to want to adjust from anything that would be between us and him. It's an old song that says, nothing between my Savior and I. And you, when you realize there's something that might even try to come between, you repent. You get rid of it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Repentance produces a clean slate. I think I can finish this in five minutes. A clean slate, a fresh desire, a zeal for the Lord, a vindication. Diligence in the things of God. Paul talking of somebody who, some people who repented in 2 Corinthians 7.10. He said, for godly sorrow produces repentance. 
leading to salvation not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. In other words, they regretted and they changed and they repented. And the result was, he says, what diligence it produced in you. What clearing of yourselves. What indignation. What fear, which is reverence of the Lord. What vehement desire. All these good things came because they repented. What zeal. You know, in the book of Revelation, Jesus talking to different churches. He was talking to believers. People in the church. Now, especially the Laodicean church. That he said, I knew your works. And he said, you're neither hot nor cold. You are lukewarm. And he was saying, I would vomit you out of my mouth. But then he told them, repent. Thank God we can repent. If you're just living a regular Christian life, whatever we'll be, we'll be. We'll be back on Sunday. That's when we'll open our Bible. We need to repent. Praise God. Like he told them. He told them in, in Revelation. Let me run to that. Anyway. He told them, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. Verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. And he said, I stand at the door and knock. My goodness. This was not talking about the new birth. They had ignored the, him. They were just lukewarm. So he was saying, I'm knocking for you to recognize that I'm around. He was with them, but they were not with him. Hallelujah. So he told them, repent and be zealous again. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God says. Praise God. Let me mention two more things real quick. Oh, my goodness, time. Um, in Second Timothy 2, this is talking, I, I really chose this because it's talking about the servant of the Lord. People who are called to ministry. Which all of us are really. Whether you're in the helps ministry. Or in the fivefold ministry. Says, and the servant of the Lord must not strive. But be gentle unto all men. Able to teach patient in meekness. In meekness. Instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance. If God peradventure will give them. Repentance to the acknowledging of the truth that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So repentance will really clean our attitude. It will remove strife from your house. He said the servant of the Lord must not strive. Praise God. Are you a preacher that just quarrels? It's in your house, you're quarreling, and then when you come to the pulpit, you're somebody else. You're suddenly holy. <laughs> My goodness. 
Praise God. Repent as you clean up your act. And it will enable you to receive from the Lord. Praise God. It will unclog that heart of yours. It will clog your, unclog your soul. So that you can receive. Papa Hagen uh, talks of two, two sisters. One of them came to him and said, I don't know why my sister and their folks was married. They're always so quick to be healed. They're always receiving all these answers from the Lord. And I know them. They are not all that committed in the church. They are not all that. They don't even pray like I pray. They don't quote the word like I do. And if I ever get healed by, by the healing power of God, I don't know it. Why is this? You know, Papa Hagen was like, you've not asked me a question. You've told me something. <laughs> In other words, why am I not being healed? And right then, the Spirit of God gave this to Papa Hagen. Those people are quick to repent. They are quick to forgive. Praise God. And I think she was the same woman who said, I hate my mother-in-law. And so... Thank God she changed. She repented. Then she was able to receive her healing. Not that God wasn't giving the healing. He gave it 2,000 years ago. It's that her own faith, her own heart was clogged up from receiving because she wasn't quick to repent. Praise God. So I pray as you hear the word throughout this conference, the Lord, Spirit of God ministers to us. That all of us are quick to change. That we come with a heart that's ready to change. Praise God. That we don't come with our big titles and big names. That we come like little children before the Lord. And when we do, he's going to find among us a people that he can use. We'll be like Isaiah. We'll be able to say, here am I, Lord. Send me. Praise God, because we are quick to repent. Then all that he sends to us, we will receive unhindered. Amen. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. And I'll just give you like maybe two, three minutes. We are out of time. To just uh, check your own heart. When I go to meetings of God, you know, like this summer we went to so many conferences, so many meetings. But I take it as a time of consecration. Praise God. Whatever I hear the Spirit of God saying, I take that time to check my own heart and to say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. This is what you're saying to me. This is the way I'm going. Praise God. So I want to give you a minute to do that. Do that. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, Peter said, repent that times of refreshing may come from the Spirit of the Lord. Acts 3.19, repent, change your mind and purpose. Turn around, return to God that your sins may be erased, blotted out. That times of refreshing 
of recovering from the heat, of reviving with fresh air may come from the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. When we humble ourselves before the Lord and change from our own ways to his ways and repent of anything outside of the love of God, then times of refreshing will come. They will sure come. The Spirit of God will sure minister to you. And destinies will be changed. Hearts will be strengthened. Minds will be renewed. And the kingdom of God will be advanced. It will move forth forward. Praise God. Praise the Lord. So take time to consecrate yourself to the Lord. Hallelujah.